<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Folks, we're teetering on what could be an economic meltdown, threatening to wash away our savings and retirement. Inflation has surged to levels unseen in 40 years. Gold is the smartest and most responsible investment you can make for you and your family in times like these. A safe haven asset that protects your purchasing power and your wallet from inflation. When it comes to protecting your IRA or 401k, trust only the best. My friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold has earned the highest trust ratings in the precious metals industry and builds relationships based on integrity, expertise, and impeccable service. Get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase when you visit protectwithlou.com today or give them a call at 844-6484-LOU. Don't wait. Take control of your retirement today. Call 844-6484. 84-L-O-U and speak with one of their experts. Time is of the essence. Protect your future with Allegiance Gold. Visit protectwithlou.com or call 844-648-4LOU. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. Great to have you with us today. It is rare that we bring you good news from the border on this show, the main reason being... For the past almost three years, Joe Biden has opened up the border for all to come. Criminals, drug dealers, terrorists, human smugglers, sex traffickers, you name it. Millions of illegals have entered this country. Yesterday, Texas Governor Greg Abbott did something about it. He signed a bill making Texas the first state in the nation to give law enforcement the authority to arrest illegal immigrants those who illegally entered the state of Texas. Abbott says it was because of Joe Biden's inaction that he had to take action. Biden's deliberate inaction has left Texas to fend for itself. The authors of the United States Constitution foresaw a situation when the federal government would be inattentive to states that faced challenges at their borders. And in response, they inserted Article 1, Section 10 to the United States Constitution to empower states to take action to defend themselves. And that is exactly what Texas is doing. I will sign three laws today to better protect Texas and America from Biden's border neglect. The first is Senate Bill 4 from the fourth special session. The goal of Senate Bill 4 is to stop the tidal wave of illegal entry into Texas. It creates a criminal offense for illegal entry into Texas from a foreign nation. For repeat offenders, it creates the offense of illegal reentry with a potential prison sentence term of up to 20 years. The bill provides a mechanism to order an illegal immigrant to return to the foreign nation from which they entered. 
Abbott has also begun to use Texas state funds to continue the construction of the Trump border wall. God bless Governor Abbott for being one of the few in the nation to actually step up and try to safeguard his state against illegal immigration. It's not often that I agree with rhinos. In fact, I can't think of a time I've agreed with a rhino in this country. But today, I found some common ground with former RNC chair and White House Chief of Staff Rice Priebus. He was on TV this week, and he was defending President Trump. I know, that's a big surprise, and it is not customary. Reince was asked by the Marxists over at ABC about taming down President Trump and whether that's hurting his 2024 chances. I guess they don't look at the polls. Take a listen to Priebus taking those Marxist dims to school. I think that, I think you're all misreading the electorate. I, I think that the electorate is not looking for less blood. I think they're looking for more blood. I think that people are more angry about crime than they've ever been before. I think they're more angry about the border, the fentanyl, the sanctuary cities, the boys competing against girls in sports, schools out of control. I think, as I've said before, people are looking for a bigger middle finger this time than they were in 2016. And I think so. No matter how you're, you're misreading this, I, the, people are angry. And, they, and, and on the other side, you know, you got President Biden, who's losing young voters, who's losing black voters. Uh, the polling couldn't be worse. And unlike Barack Obama in 2011, Democrats would have walked over glass for Barack Obama. Democrats today, they say 75 percent. We wish we had a different candidate. So it matters who you're running against, too. And it also matters what the state of the country's in. And this is a perfect storm. Reince is 100% correct. The voters and the polls show it. They want a fired-up President Trump. And President Trump, as we all know, has every right in the world to be fired up. And an expose may be on the way for some hundred of Jeffrey Epstein's close associates. A federal judge in New York has ordered a vast unsealing of court documents in the next two weeks that will make public the names of Epstein's associates and friends. The documents that are to be released are part of a settled civil lawsuit alleging Epstein's lover-confidant, Ghislaine Maxwell, facilitated the sexual abuse of a number of minors. Two of the most prominent people that Epstein is said to have been associated with our President Bill Clinton, and Bill Gates. Something tells me, despite everything we know, that we probably won't see those names on this first list. And Congress is in recess, but a lot of congressmen are working, including our guest today, Congressman Bob Good of Virginia. In the new year, he takes over as chairman of the Freedom Caucus. Great American Congressman Bob Good. It's great to have you with us here on the show. And congratulations on your new chairmanship of the Freedom Caucus. Thank you, Lou. You know, ever since I joined Congress, I knew I wanted to be part of the Freedom Caucus. And I can't imagine having been in Congress before the Freedom Caucus existed, uh, this band of brothers and sisters, this iron sharp as iron pr principle. We're not monolithic. We challenge one another. Our core principles, our love of country, our adherence to the Constitution, our belief in freedom, those are those unite us. But yet strategy, tactics, you know, what's the best, most achievable path uh, to victory? You know, we debate, we challenge one another. And I've served for on the board, the leadership team the last two years, 
in the most recent year as the whip, which is the one who sort of counts and persuades the votes when we need, we're trying to take an official position on something. And uh, I'm just thankful uh, that my colleagues trusted me to become the new chairman. The original chairman was Jim Jordan, followed by Mark Meadows, followed by Andy Biggs, followed by the current chairman through the end of the year, Scott Perry. And so I want to build upon the work that they've done. The responsibility is sobering. I believe that the Freedom Caucus is the hope for the country with the tip of the spear in the Republican House. We have been on every issue over my three years. We're the conservative anchor trying to hold the Republican conference to be that which the American people entrusted us to be with. And they gave us the majority to actually execute on the things that we run on and the things for which we ask the American people to entrust their votes to us. Um, and, and when necessary, we're, we've demonstrated we're willing to challenge our own leadership, our own conference, our own party when we feel like we're off course. You know, I guess I could start here. Um, was Speaker, Speaker Johnson ever a member of the Freedom Caucus? To my knowledge, no. He's been here seven years. I've been here three years. So he predated me four years. Uh, he, uh, it, it's my understanding that he considered membership in the Freedom Caucus. The Freedom Caucus considered him. You don't get to just, it's not unilateral. You don't get to just join and, and, and we won't just take anybody, so to speak. Sometimes a member might express interest and would like to be considered for membership. And sometimes the Freedom Caucus might reach out and say, hey, you know, we think you'd be a great candidate for membership. Would you consider meeting and talking with us? You know, it kind of goes both ways, whether it's existing members or new members as they come in and are elected. Uh, but I think he's one that considered that. But instead, he took the path of getting into leadership with the Republican Study Committee. Right. Uh, he became the chairman of that committee, which is uh, a much larger uh, committee, which or caucus. It's called Republican Study Committee. It was actually right. a caucus that I am also a member of. It's a complementary caucus, in my view. But the Republican Study Committee, any member of the Republican Party can join. So you've got a more widespread it's got like 160 members. So you've got strong conservatives. You've got centrist, centrist conservatives and more moderate yeah. members in that Republican Senate committee. But that used to be pre-Freedom Caucus was kind of the conservative uh, yeah. anchor, if you will. And uh, so he, he went that route and then he moved into leadership as the vice chair, conference vice chair. And so no, he's, I don't think he ever officially was a member of the Freedom Caucus. I, I guess the way I should have asked it, uh, would the Freedom Caucus have him uh, if he today were to ask to be a member? Well, uh, one of the reasons why you know, mo most, if not all, actually all of us, I guess, ultimately supported him as speaker, uh, he is the kind of person that we talked about a year ago, and, I, and, and you and I have probably talked about this before, but a year ago when we were, some of us were contemplating the challenge to then Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who was going to run for speaker in the new Congress a year ago, uh, when we were considering trying to prevent that occurrence, we were talking about people like Mike Johnson, who were conservative at heart, who we believe were people of integrity, uh, that were honest brokers. Now, we're great, we're great on the Washington scale to some degree here, Washington curve, I should say, <laughs> to some degree here, uh, as, as the listeners say, hey, I don't know anybody was like that in D.C., but but also who, who uh, you know, we respected, we trusted, we admired uh, having served with him. Uh, he was the kind of person we were looking for who represented what I call the conservative center of the conference. The conference has moved more conservative. Longer time members will tell you the conference does reflect more of the grassroots base than it used to. 
Um, and they expect us to deliver for them, by the way. So uh, that's the basis under which we supported Speaker Johnson. He's done some good things. Uh, I would say the Israel supplemental being a paid for, a standalone, uh, and not allowing it to be hijacked with funding for Ukraine and other things that are unrelated and requiring it to be paid for, not borrowed, and you know, using the IRS expansion to do it. Uh, moving forward on the impeachment inquiry, uh, moving forward on subpoenaing uh, Hunter Biden, uh, moving forward on releasing more of the January 6th tapes. Now, we need to get all the January 6th tapes released, uh, but he's done some good things. Uh, however, he's done some things that I thought were glaring mistakes. And uh, I think the majority of the Freedom Caucus, based on their vote, felt the same way when we voted against the continuing resolution uh, that kept in place all the Biden, Pelosi, Schumer policies and spending levels until January 19 for some of it and February 2 for the other parts. And then also to you, you just touched on it a moment, a few moments ago, but the NDAA, which was a terrible version of the NDAA, which I can expound upon, but combined with it and made even worse, uh, the attachment of the VISA extension without the reforms to protect our constitutional liberties. Those were terrible mistakes in my view. And we have expressed that we vote. We were trying to attack. He's a new speaker. He inherited a tough situation made or created by the former speaker's failures. Uh, but we expect them to start to deliver and to start put points on the board. And so we're trying to attack the actions, uh, not the person. Uh, but uh, we're going to call it like we see it and speak the truth. And uh, everybody's got to be accountable. This is a performance-based business. It's not personal. Absolutely. And <clears throat> I, we're going to take up uh, Speaker Mike Johnson. We're talking with the head of the Freedom Caucus now. Bob Good, uh, Congressman Good, uh, will uh, be here as we examine what is going on in the House of Representatives. By the way, the 118th Congress has just been rated one of the least productive uh, in the country's history. We're going to take that up uh, with the Congressman right after these quick words. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back with Congressman Bob Good, the chair of the Freedom Caucus. Uh, Congressman, we were, we were talking as uh, we went to break there uh, about the, the principles that the Freedom Caucus stands for, the speaker and his performance, which is uh, at, at the most generous is uneven. Uh, at the le least generous, it is uh, disappointing as it could possibly have been, in, uh, in my estimation. Uh, give us your sense of what you think will happen now that we've got two CRs that are coming up the schedule at the beginning of the year. Uh, we've got a, a, a the 702 FISA reauthorization, 147 Republicans voted for it. 
Uh, I didn't look to see if any Freedom uh, Caucus people voted for it, did they? I think there were two members who voted for it that are members of the Freedom Caucus. So the Freedom Caucus has just under 40 members, and I think we did have two that voted for it. But the NDA, let's take that piece of it, which was... Surely. So the National Defense Authorization Act, which is the authorization every year of the funding for our military, it's called, Lou, a must-pass bill. Now, anybody who ever hears that in Washington ought to get concerned because must-pass means, oh, you just have to do it. You may have disagreements with it. You may not like it. You might not think it's perfect. But you know what? We pass it every year without fail. It's must-pass. It's almost like calling it mandatory spending. I voted against the NDA four times because the Biden administration has said in my first two years, I voted against it four times. The Biden administration has told the military that the greatest threat to the military is uh, the climate war and, and racism in the military. And so that's what they have focused upon. And they've weakened our military uh, appropriate accordingly. And they focus on diversity, equity, inclusion, CRT and our military academies, LGBTQ funding for service. Uh, uh, treatment and, and surgery, abortion funding, electrifying our vehicles, and those sorts of things, drag queen shows at our bases. And so that's what that was full of my first two years, and I voted against it. We passed out of the House a good NDAA uh, that uh, eliminated all of that and focused on lethality, effectiveness, and readiness back last summer. And then, Lou, we were supposed to go into conference committee and negotiate that with assigned members from the House and the Senate to come together and negotiate where you would expect we would get at least half of our priorities. I would submit we should get more than half if we're effective negotiators because, Lou, as you know, the Senate has to have 60 votes to pass legislation. How many, how many Democrats do they have? 51, right? So they got to get nine Republican votes. We can pass anything out of the House with our simple majority. So we ought to actually be getting 55, 45, maybe even 60, 40, our priorities over theirs. Well, what happened to the NDAA and why I opposed it, it stripped, instead of having a true conference committee where people like General Scott Perry would have been on that negotiating team for the House, there was a secret backroom deal negotiated NDAA between what's called the Four Corners, Schumer and McConnell on the House side, Johnson and Jeffries on the Senate side, or excuse me, Schumer and McConnell on the Senate side, Johnson and Jeffries on the House side, secret deal brought to the floor under suspension of the rules, no amendments, take it or leave it, up or down vote, and it stripped away almost all of our good reforms that took away the bad policy that's weakening our military. And then, Lou, they attached to it the FISA extension without the reforms to protect our constitutional liberties, our constitutional rights not to be spied on, surveilled upon by our government without a warrant without a judge uh, recognizing the probable cause to justify that warrant. And you had Andy Biggs author a bill, the, ju the, the Judiciary Committee's bill to reform that. And because we didn't get it passed in time, they just added the FISA extension to the NDAA so people would vote for the FISA extension because they were afraid of voting against a, mili a military bill, no matter how bad the military bill was. It represents the worst in Washington. There's a reason why Biden and Schumer supported it and Jeffries, Democrats voted for it four to one. Sadly, Republicans voted for it two to one, and I'll tell you why it's two to one. Basically, two-thirds of the Republican Party either isn't conservative and doesn't really want to do the things that we run on, or they simply listen to leadership, and they're what you call team players. They do what they're told to support the team and support the play call, no matter what the play call is. 
So that's the kind of the numbers that you'll have. About 140-something will go along, and about 70-something will stand strong. And that's what happened with that NDAA combined with the VISA extension without the reforms. You know, I've, I've been watching Congress for a long time. I've been watching Washington for a long time. I don't understand the quality of character uh, in this Congress anymore. Uh, when 147 Republicans decide that in the face of all the evidence and all the experience of the past uh, decade, spying by the FBI, the corruption of the Department of Justice, uh, hundreds of uh, Americans, prisoners of uh, the Marxist Dems because they were protests uh, on January 6th, um, the the callous uh, injustice and uh, and political corruption of our court system, as well as the prosecutors of the DOJ, and they decide they're going to uh, it's going to be a play call and they're going to fall in line. I don't know if I've ever known a Congress to be that shallow, that thoughtless. Uh, certainly, uh, that many members of the conference, whatever their label, conservative, moderate. It's just irresponsible, it seems to me. You're right. The lack of character and integrity and courage and just resolve to do right. No Republican runs for Congress and says, I'm coming to work with the Democrats. I'm coming to join with the Democrats and to compromise and to help them pass their priorities. Uh, that's not what we run on. And often, Lou, it's justified or rationalized. They'll say, hey, we, we only have a narrow majority. We can't go but so far. Uh, we don't want to go too far in the direction to the right because the Democrats did that and they lost the majority. But the key to us, not only is it the right thing to do, but the key to us politically to expanding the majority or even retaining the majority, taking back the Senate, winning the White House is to stand for something, to show the American people that there is one party that's fighting for them and not fighting for Washington and passing a bad NDAA and calling it a must pass bill that doesn't change the policies that are weakening our military and passing a visa extension, especially in the hands of a lawless uh, Department of Injustice, a, a Director Ray and Attorney General Merrick Garland, who have clearly abused their power time and again against political opponents, against pro-life protesters. And we even, you, you probably saw the recent news, the Catholics in Richmond, where they claimed that was one field office that was targeting them. It's turned out now they know that it was far more offices and far greater amount of member of, of, of the FBI personnel that was involved with that, not to mention uh, going after parents who show up at school board meetings. And, you know, that this is who they consider the enemy. And we're going to put in their hands when they consider you and I to be uh, domestic terrorists because we're conservatives. God forbid we might support President Trump or we might believe in the Constitution or we believe in American sovereignty and American exceptionalism and strong borders and our founding principles. And so we're going to extend in their hands the ability to abuse that power against our own citizens who we claim to represent when we ask for their votes. We're going to come right back. We're talking with the chair of the Freedom Caucus, Congressman Bob Good. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. 
on Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. We're back down talking with Congressman Bob Good, chair of the Freedom Caucus. And, and Congressman, right now, people are streaming across that southern border. Uh, illegal immigration is not, it's, it's, it's just words right now because all immigration seems to be illegal and no one seems to have a law against it because no one's enforcing it. This administration is one, 10 million illegal immigrants since this man took office. Uh, it's a highly questioned uh, uh, election, won by 44,000 votes in three states in 2020. And people wonder why they, <laughs> President Trump wants to relitigate it. We have been living in some sort of pretend disinformation, misinformation, no information uh, uh, warp here, authored by the Biden regime and the Marxist Dems, and the Republicans aren't breaking through it. Will there be a different result in 2024 in your judgment? Well, I would think so, and I would hope so. I think the American people, Lou, are connecting in a greater way than we've seen in, in decades bad government policy and politics to the suffering that they are enduring under this administration. I think the American people recognize that something has to change with the federal spending as they're suffering under 40 year high inflation and 20 year high interest rates and grocery prices and and housing prices and, and uh, rental prices. And, and then but then also the war on affordable, reliable energy, the force of trying to force an electric vehicle upon you, trying to control how you can heat or cool your home and what, what kind of an appliance you can own. And they're seeing the gas prices, utility prices uh, going through the roof, energy just uh, getting more and more expensive. Not to mention, I think they're concerned about the military and are standing on the national stage. They're concerned, as you mentioned, about the border. They're concerned about rising crime. They're concerned about what's going on in their schools. Uh, all of those things, I think, more than ever before, the American people are connecting those to bad policy by the Democrats. They look at the blue states and the blue cities, and those are the, the Democrats' example for America. So I think we have an opportunity to uh, expand our majority in the House, take back the Senate, and to take the White House. But we have to earn it, and we have to work for it every day, and uh, we can take nothing for granted. It's, it's a wonder how could it even be close? How could the election be close just because of the border? The Democrats should never win another election. Just because the climate, environmental extremism, and the war on ener reliable, affordable energy. If, if American people fully understand how the Democrats want to uh, change how we live, and handicap us economically and, and strip away our freedoms in the name of keeping us safe from the climate. Democrats should never win another election. If the American people understood what the Democrat real view is on sex and gender and transgenderism and what they want to do in our schools to indoctrinate our kids and sexualize our kids, they should never win another election. If they fully understood, again, that they want to weaken the military, inhibit its ability to defend us and to keep us safe, they should never win another election. Uh, and I do think the American people are realizing that to a greater degree than certainly in my lifetime, at least going back 40 years or so since maybe the Reagan era. 
Uh, and so I'm hopeful and optimistic, but we got to work to earn it. We got to deliver on the House. We got to utilize the majority that we have to force the president and the Senate to pass and sign into law H.R. 2 border security. You could argue that we should just shut down the government and refuse to do anything else until they join us in securing the border. The real issues this time are going to be if they're interested in national security, why did they go along with uh, $4 trillion in spending, really unlimited spending uh, by this uh, administration? Uh, how do you rationalize that when you stand before the voters? Because that is directly related to the quality of our national security. How do you explain that if you're talking about foreign policy and national security, that we've got the smallest military since before World War II? Uh, and a shrinking military. It's going to be a lot smaller than uh, than it is. We have a mess that is authored by Joe Biden, but the Republicans have been reading reading along the, in, in that book. Uh, how do you differentiate? Uh, and I don't mean to get into an extensive political strategy, but how in the world do you convince the rest of people in your conference to protect the American people and quit? being just uh, another, uh, you know, filling another seat as if you were a Marxist dem. Not you, but members of your conference. You're a great American. Well, well thank you, Lou. Well said. We, we're trying to, what I'm trying to do is convince my colleagues that we don't win by compromise and working with the Democrats. These, the, the Democrat parties become pure evil that wants to destroy the country. We win by defeating them, by exposing them, by holding them accountable, by bringing transparency, what they're trying to do and trying to use every leverage lever in our power, every every lever at our disposal, every piece of, of power that we have to try to defeat them with the House majority that we have. We haven't demonstrated that resolve, that courage, that willingness to fight and to endure discomfort and, and temporary consequence in order to bring long term victory for the American people. Uh, as one of my colleagues has said, if it, we, we try to say, hey, we'll fight next time. We'll fight next time. Well, the one one advantage we would have if we were to fight next time would be the element of surprise because nobody believes we're actually going to fight next time. So that would be one advantage, uh, which is one of the arts of war, I'm told. So but uh, we, we, we can't kid ourselves into thinking that losing and surrendering today facilitates winning and victory tomorrow. Now, winning and victory today is what facilitates winning and victory tomorrow. No one can imagine uh, the leadership that has befallen the Republican Party. Uh, are you going to confront this uh, speaker and and ask him, tell him that he has to lead uh, a Republican Party that's committed to national security, that is committed to the uh, the interest of the United States? Yeah, absolutely. So we're doing that now. We're having meetings and, and discussions with him now during this uh, week leading up to Christmas, uh, trying to uh, support him and call upon the Republican conference to support him and standing strong and being tough, uh, that we will have his back and we will stand with him if he will lead us. Well, I think that that well, that's encouraging, and and I will remain hopeful uh, in, in the uh, spirit of the season. Thank you very much, Congressman, for being with us. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for being with us here today. Our guest here tomorrow on The Great America Show is author and Dr. Carol Swain. Please join us each and every day on The Great America Show and follow me on Twitter and Truth Social at Lou Dobbs. And check out LouDobbs.com. Thank you, everybody. God bless you. And may God bless America. America.